1: jesus said if you hold to my teachings you are really my disciples then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free many ministries which have been raised up to defend the truth refer to themselves as berean ministries and they encourage christians not to be led astray by error but to be like the bereans i've often felt that this term is not used in the correct way you see the bereans were commended in the book of acts because when paul preached the message of the gospel to them in their synagogue we're told these were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the Word of God with all readiness and searched the Scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. In other words, the emphasis is on the fact that they didn't search the Scriptures to find whether they disagreed with Paul, but if what he was preaching was truth that they needed to believe in for their own spiritual good and growth. So yes, let's be like the Bereans, not those who are known for what we stand against, but for the wonderful truths we believe in and stand for and rejoice in. This is Set Free with Ken Leg.
0: We've covered a lot of ground this week on the subject of false teaching. We've looked at how all the New Testament writers had quite a bit to say about it. We particularly looked at what Peter had to say. Of course, there were already many false prophets, false teachers making their way into the church, even in New Testament times, and Peter warned about them. In fact, he said that their teachings were destructive and they would bring on themselves very swift destruction. He then said that in contrast to those who followed cunningly devised fables, the apostles were eyewitnesses of Christ
1: and the gospel. Now, Ken, what else did Peter say? Well, one of the things that Peter does is that he doesn't just talk about what they taught, but how they lived. You know, Jesus said, by their fruit, you will know them. And the first thing he says in that regard is that they were proud. False Mm -hmm. teachers are proud. Let me just quote to you from one of the verses from 2 Peter chapter 2. In fact, from verse 10, speaking about these uh, false prophets that are coming to the church, he says they despise authority. Uh, They speak evil of dignitaries, that is, the leaders within the church. So the first thing they do is they don't kind of just start their own church just like that. They first of all come into a local church and they undermine the leadership. They draw disciples unto themselves. They draw people away from the leadership and they're kind of arrogant. They're bold in their claims. They create a sense, if you like, Phil, of elitism. You know, we're on the cutting edge. We've got something that this church doesn't have, is an arrogance about them. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how it was back then, and, and, and really things are no different today. Now, I say this, hey, if you want to lead a group of people, then the church badly needs leaders, you know, but uh, the thing is come in the right way through the front door. Come in and, and, and study and train and qualify and be released by the body into the body. Don't come in by stealth on the side, as it were, and draw people away, bring division, split the church and that sort of thing. So that was the, probably the first characteristic. It was It was true back then, Phil. And it's true today. This sort of prideful ambition, if you like,
0: I always find it's amazing how you know we might be living in a completely different age, different millennium to that of the New Testament, but yeah. we still face all the same sort of issues as what they did. And there's no difference here. You know, we have false teachers, and their characteristics are no different today to what they were two thousand years ago. We still see people rising up in arrogance, wanting to undermine existing leadership just to gain
1: personal notoriety, or for other reasons. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, and, and I think. Um, this parallel that we've just made is, is a good example of that. Now, here's another one. Peter notes that uh, false teachers have a tendency towards idolatry. Maybe I need to expand that a little bit. I, idolatry, of course, is the opposite to worship. Uh, we will I- either worship God or we will commit idolatry, which is to worship the created thing, not the creator. Mm. Um, and people take something that is good, something that God has created, and they turn it into something that is bad, something that is God. And so, when something that is good becomes something that is god, then that thing becomes bad. That's yeah. idolatry, if I can yeah. put it that way. Now, that's what false teachers do. They focus on um, material things. Uh, one of the things that they did back then, and, and uh, again, you hear it today, is, is an incredible focus on money. Um, highlings, you know, they do it. They're in it for the money. They do it for the money. And uh, like Balaam, you know, he was a false prophet, but but he only wanted to practice if he got paid well. Yeah, the whole thing to him was it's all about the money. Yeah. Now um, today, you know, you, you, you see a similar thing. I mean, I, I've watched programs where where people say, "Now, you know, if you will sow a seed into my ministry, uh, then you will get blessed." So, so really, they want you to give money to them, and they might say things like this: "If you will sow a seed into my ministry, I will pray for the salvation of your family." And my question is: What you won't pray if I don't give you money? <laughs> We've got to buy blessings, you know. And furthermore, can't I pray for myself? Is, are your prayers more effective than than mine, or or you know some of them can look down the camera without blushing and say, look, if you go up to the next level of blessing, and so a thousand dollar seed, you'll get the thousand dollar blessing. I mean, <laughs> it's getting ridiculous. It really um, uh, is just purely a covetousness. Mm.
0: And there's a real balance in there too. For you know, there are legitimate need for ministries, and including our own, to put our need forward and ask for people to to support us. Absolutely. But there's never any connection there to say if you give. X amount of dollars, you'll get X amount of blessings. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. Look at what Jesus said about the woman who came with the two copper coins and yeah. dropped them in, and he said, "Look, she's given more than any of these other people who have given equivalent of thousands of dollars." Yeah, because she gave
1: everything that she had. Look, I, I'm a pastor, Phil, and, and and I get paid a salary. You know, and I believe that's a, a scriptural principle. You know, that the labor is worth worthy of his hire. And uh, um, if if I didn't, I'd have to go and get a secular job. I wouldn't be able to separate myself to the Word of God and and the flock of God and so on. And so I believe there's a biblical principle there. And we're not talking about that, of course. We're talking about those whose focus and purpose and motivation, like Mm. Balaam, was just to get money. They're highlings, you know. Mm. It's
0: like like so many things, though. There is uh, The false teaching is a few degrees away from the real thing, but it's far enough away to be false, close enough that people might think that it's real and get sucked into it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Ken, it's obviously been a serious subject we've been looking at this week, and the Bible says that as we approach the end of times, there will be a greater unleashing of error, and much of that will infiltrate the church, so it should be no surprise. Have you got a final word as we wrap up this discussion this week?
1: Yeah. What is our response to heresy? What is our response to heretics? Um, You know, Again, let's really make that clear distinction between those who – say wrong things about the primary truths that deny the primary truths of the faith that we talked about earlier on this week, things like the Word of God, the deity of Christ, the person of Christ, his humanity, sinlessness, his work on the cross, all those things. Um, Those who deny those things and those who see differently about secondary truths. So we're talking about heretics that deny the main teachings of the faith. What is our response to be to those people? Well, the Bible says that we're to actually reject Let me just give you a few quotations from Paul's writings. Mm -hmm. First of all, in Romans chapter 16, he says, Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learned and avoid them. So there's a clear admonition there, if you like. Mm. okay, Those that teach wrong things, don't hang out with them. Uh, Here's another one in Titus um, chapter 3. He says, Avoid foolish disputes, genealogies, contentions, and strivings about the law. For they are unprofitable and useless. And then he says, "Reject a divisive man after the first and second admonition, knowing that such a person is warped and sinning, being self-condemned." So you know, you obviously reach out to people that are teaching wrong things. Mm. You you know, you try to engage them once or twice, but some people are just basically set in their ways, and uh, uh, they're just you know obviously Mm going to cause havoc in the church if they're given room. And so the Bible says there that we're to reject those sort of people. Uh, Here's another one in John's gospel, or rather his epistle. He says, "If any man comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house, nor nor greet him." That's why, you know, when the cults come on our doors and you know say things that deny the deity of Christ and uh, the finished work of Jesus on the cross, I personally I don't invite them into my house. I don't give them room or credence in that way. Um, Here's another one. Paul says um, when he was talking about those that were preaching a legalistic gospel, that we've got to go back under the law to get saved and to keep the law. Mm -hmm. He said, cast out the bondwoman. He was using an analogy there with Sarah and Hagar. Cast out the bondwoman. In other words, you can't mix the two. There's got to be a very firm stand against those that teach those destructive heresies uh, regarding the primary truth. So, Phil, you know, the church is called the pillar and the ground of truth we are the ones that god has deposited the truth with that is the church and we need to remember this that we're always ever one generation away from extinction and so it's important that we carry the truth in our generation and we pass the baton on intact to the next generation Well, that brings us to
0: the end of our series this week. Hope you can join us next week when we start a brand new one. Until then, remember, you don't have to carry that baggage. God wants you to be set free.
1: For books, DVDs, small group studies and other resources from Ken Legg and details about Ken's ministry, shop online at vision.org.au. That's vision.org.au.